take that Bible and open it to the book of Romans. We're going to be in the book of Romans, and specifically in Romans 1, 1 through 5, with a specific text in verse 5 as we celebrate with joy and hope the sending of John Paul Stepanian and family. And so as you're opening there, I do want to just tell you what we're going to do. We're going to commission him to the gospel ministry. Uh, The elders will come up towards the end. And this service is a bit unique in this sense that John Paul, I am speaking directly to you. That would be my heart, directly to you. Of course, we as a church, the implications of this truth come to all of us as a church family as a great reminder, but really, John Paul, my words are to you, to Sarah, to family in this sending that you would never forget these precious promises from the book of Romans. So you eavesdrop here this morning to listen, to hear Obviously, this is the gospel of God, but let me read. You follow along as I read 1, 1 through 5. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among, it says there, all the nations. So this is directed again to you, John Paul, specifically. And even more specifically than 1, 1 through 5, look at verse 5 again. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship, Paul says there, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Paul here is introducing in this masterpiece key features of the gospel of God in actually chapter 1, verse 1, all the way down through 17. He is preaching, if you will, you can see it there in verse 1-1, he's set apart for the gospel of God. Missions is to be set apart for the gospel of God. And what I'd like to do here with our time is just focus on three declarations of the gospel of God. There's more here in Romans 1, but for the sake of time, three key declarations of the gospel of God that are found in Romans 1.5 that reveal God's heart for missions. This is, maybe as Shea has said, our global vision. This is what it means to extend the kingdom both in our own Judea and Samaria, but it says in Acts 1.8, to the uttermost parts of the globe. We said this morning at 9 a.m., and I don't mean this in a, a prideful way, but we give 
our best. People say that, and if you've been to the mission field, and if you've been to any kind of mission training, and you've locked arms with some people, you wonder if that's the case, but this is the case here. We are sending our best, and I want you to know from my heart to yours, as a church family, this is not easy. Lots of tears over these weeks and months, lots of tears this morning, some of you who have said, and I don't mean this uh, in a negative way, why do they have to go? I mean, we love them. Why do they have to leave us and why do they have to go? Said from a pure heart because of your love for them and I understand that. It is not easy this is, this is difficult, but it's done so with great, great joy. The reason it makes it difficult is, John, Paul, and Sarah, we dearly, dearly love you. And we, our church body loves you. It's evident over the weekend, evident even this morning. But nevertheless, in the book of Romans, there are three declarations of why Paul did this. What God says on this, in fact, really, uh, the implications are for all, but on what grounds does missions rest? Or I could say, what grounds does the gospel of God rest? You have to understand, when I say the gospel of God, you see that again in one one. This is God's gospel. We talk a lot about the gospel. Have you shared the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Understand, just from the language here, this is God's gospel. This is God's good news. And so what I want to do, just briefly, is look at the purpose of missions, the scope of missions, and then the motivation of missions. And I'm directing this specifically to John Paul. Certainly, if you're a young person in here, it's our prayer that this would be one of many to the nations one of many to the nation. So you may be in fifth grade, you may be in sixth grade, you may be in junior high, you may be in high school, but you're in one of two categories. You're either a goer, as they are, or you're a sender, and you have sent this family, and so we're all involved. But the first declaration is this, the purpose of missions. The purpose of missions, and, and it is a grace-empowering obedience. Under that key declaration, I'm looking at that phrase in verse 5, to bring about, and I'm in the ESV, to bring about the obedience of faith. What a statement. Faith and obedience are connected here in the Scripture. In fact, if you're holding, and if you look later, the NIV renders this phrase, the obedience that comes from faith. And so we would say here that Paul is delivering this gospel to Rome here. And one of the reasons is, and the purpose of missions, is to bring about the obedience of faith. In other words, from saving faith, it flows that obedience comes. Faith leads to and results in obedience. 
saving faith and it flows to that thought of obedience. You cannot separate faith and obedience from each other. They are Siamese twins, if you will. Siamese twins, faith and obedience, they're, they're linked together. Faith here is that dynamic quality that is ever-growing, ever-living, and hence, it's obedient. In fact, true faith is verified by obedience. So here, as we step back, Paul's role as an evangelist is not just confined to evangelization. It is the establishment of a fully obedient believer to Christ's lordship. And so should yours be, John Paul. I mean, I think you know this. We're not just sending him to Uganda. We're not sending him only for, if you will, humanitarian need and aid. We are sending this man and this family here. The purpose of missions is to bring about the obedience of faith. There is so much in missions today that just doesn't amount to leading to a greater obedience. In fact, I think you've probably heard me say that in Matthew 28, we say make disciples of all nations, and we just kind of finish the sentence. The Bible says to go on there, as we read this morning, teaching them to observe all that I have, what? Commanded. And so here in this purpose of missions, here it is, it should lead here to bring about not just faith, but the obedience of faith, and certainly this has implications for us on the gospel of God. But there's the first declaration, the purpose of missions here. Paul says to bring about the obedience of faith, but there's a second declaration, and we'll call it the scope of missions. So from the purpose of missions, secondly, to the scope of missions, look at verse 5. He says to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. And then it says, among all the nations. So there's the scope. It's given by the word of God, written here in the scripture authoritatively, that our faith is for all the nations. Now you know that. Paul, of course, writing that is a Jew. He's a Jewish man. But he was called by God in the book of Acts, and he certainly passionately loved his own people. He said, I wish myself that I could be accursed for the sake of my kinsmen and for the sake of their salvation, Romans 9.1 and Romans 10.1. Yet he was called here to be an apostle to the nations. Now, I don't need to get into a word study there. The nations here, I got a simple way for you to understand that, is every non-Jewish person is the nations. In other words, the scope here, you understand, I'll put the dots together, is not just the Jewish people. The gospel of God doesn't just come to the Jews only. In fact, Paul says here in 1.5, for the sake of his name among all the nations. And then I just have a number of scriptures that I'm just going to give to you to remind you of this. In Romans 1.16, look what it says there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then he gets even specific. To the Jew first. In other words, the gospel came to the Jew first. We understand it. And also to the Greek. That's every non-Jewish person. In other words, this gospel goes to all the nations. Paul would look on, later say this, in Romans chapter 11 and in verse 13. He said there, go to the next slide. I want you to see this. It says there, uh, there is one that I have, maybe it's not there, in Romans eleven thirteen that he was an apostle, Romans eleven thirteen to the Gentiles. In other words, he was called in commission, Romans eleven thirteen to the Gentiles. And this is the refrain that you get in the scripture. The gospel scope in missions is universal. It embraces not only the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. In essence, it embraces the entire world. Paul said in Romans 15, in verses 15 and 16, that he was a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. This is the refrain over and over. So John Paul, what you're doing is carrying out this gospel of God. In fact, in the book of Acts in 9.15, Ananias was speaking and he said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name, he said, before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. In other words, the gospel of God isn't just good here, it's for all the nations. In fact, it said in Acts 22 verse 21, there it says, Go, Paul giving his defense, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This, beloved, is the heart of God. In fact, Paul, when he was writing in the book of Galatians in 1.15, speaking of his own testimony, said, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me for this purpose, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And so this scope goes out. This glorious gospel is to be preached to every tribe, every nation, every tongue. That is the heartbeat of God. That's just not us. We'll commission him. We'll lay hands on him. But this is the heartbeat of God. God is for the nations. God is for Albania. That's mentioned in the Bible. It's called Illyricum. And Paul was praying to get there. That is the heart that God has, not just for one nation. It is his heart for the whole globe. Jesus said, and I think you know this one, in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all, what? Nations. There's our word that includes Uganda. Now, beloved, this is not new. This is not new to the New Testament. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 12 when God called Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I, God speaking, said to Abram at that point, not Abraham, I will make you a great nation. In other words, he's promising to a small group of people that I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. 
I will make your name great so that you, here's the key clause, will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who dishonors you I will curse in you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. So it was God's desire, even when he set apart the nation of Israel in Genesis chapter 12, to bless that nation so that that nation would bless all the families in the earth. In fact, Paul spoke of this in the New Testament in Galatians 3, 6 through 8, that the scripture, quoting here that text, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Listen, beloved, this is the scope of missions. It's the heart of God. This is not easy for us. This is not easy for you, John, Paul, and Sarah, but it is the heartbeat of God in fact, you can go back to the book of Isaiah where the prophet said, I will also make you, Isaiah 49, 6, a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. In other words, he's raising up them that the light of the gospel and the glory of God would reach to the end of the earth. God chose one man, and his family, in order that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Beloved, listen, we've sang a little bit about heaven this morning, and it's been glorious. But you go all the way to the book of Revelation. Here's the heart of God. John the Apostle on the, uh, on the island of Patmos, it says in Revelation 5.9, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. In other words, in the glory of heaven, there is going to be people there giving praise to God. It says this in Revelation 7, there was a great multitude which no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages crying, salvation belongs to our God. So beloved, this is the heartbeat of God. There's a purpose in missions, but there's a scope of missions. I think you well know Acts 1.8 that you, speaking to those early disciples, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. So again, beloved, the scope of missions is among all the nations. And let me just say this just for a moment. Thank you for your heart to send this family. Thank you that you've rallied behind them for the cause of the gospel, for the sake of the nations, and here specifically for Uganda. That is his heartbeat that the gospel would be proclaimed to all the nations. What's interesting is some slides are going to come up, and this is a wonderful one. Watch this come out. The ideal of nations. It says in Psalm 96.3, tell of his glory among Israel. I don't know, it's, give me that next one here. It says here, uh, you got to stay with me and keep moving here. Declare his glory not among Israel, 
This is the Old Testament. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. It says this in Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Say among the nations that the Lord reigns. In other words, this is the heartbeat of God. This glorious gospel is to be preached and given to every people, tribe, nation, and tongue. Praise God for that. So John Paul and Sarah, listen, you not only go with our blessing to Uganda, but more importantly, you go with God's blessing. We're glad and thankful to send you, but our God is behind you. This is his heart. This is his joy. This is even his hope. So there's a declaration first of the purpose of missions, then the scope of missions, third and finally, there is the motivation of missions. The motivation of missions. Look at Romans 1.5. It's this little phrase there. It talks about bringing about the obedience of the faith. Now watch this. Underline this. What's the motivation? What, what is it? You can see it there. For the sake of his name. Or you can say for the sake of his glory. So you understand. You say, why would we send them? Why do they have to go? Well, first, God called them to do this. But they do it for the sake of his name. And as we bear the heart of God as believers with the Holy Spirit living in us, the motivation for missions is not humanitarian. It is not necessarily building buildings, though both of those things could be used. They go, we send for the sake of his name. You could even write in there, and I'll explain this just for a moment. You could even write for his glory. In fact, in the Old Testament, his name, the name of God, was an expression of all that God in, is in his being. In other words, Yahweh, Jehovah, those were names given to God that he revealed that describe his majesty, that describe his glory, that describe his essence, that describe his power, that describe his holiness. The name of God or the glory of God spoke of the fame spoke of the reputation of God. Now, you'll look here in the text at 1.5, for the sake of his name, is that God's name? Is that Christ's name? Well, the answer certainly would be yes in both, but if you're looking specifically, the antecedent action must go back to verse 4. Look at verse 4. He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Christ Jesus our Lord, or Jesus Christ our Lord, and it's His name, Christ's name. So God's ultimate desire for the nations is to put on display the glory of His name. That's what missions is. Missions then is a passion to make his name known 
and to make his name worshipped among all the people. And so God's name and God's glory signify the same thing. God's glory is equivalent to the expression here of God's name. In fact, let me just show you this one time. Look over in Exodus chapter 33. Let me show you, and I'll show you some scriptures, how his name is paralleled with his glory. I think you remember as we turn to Exodus chapter 33, where Moses was praying and Moses was interceding. I don't know if you've ever seen this connection. And Moses asked something of the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, in 33:17 this very thing that you have spoken I will do for you have found ESV says favor in my sight you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name and then Moses said please show me your glory and again what he's praying there, what he's requesting is, Lord, if I'm going to lead these people out, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to see your glory. In other words, what he's praying there is, I want to physically see you in all your glory, in all your beauty, in all your majesty, in all your power, in all your compassion. I want to see all of you. But look what he said to him. The Lord, it said that he said in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and watch this, and will proclaim before you my, what? Name. Now you know and I know that when he put him in the cleft of the rock, he basically said to him there in 19, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you, which is part of his character, right? The goodness of, Lord, of the Lord. But it says in 19, I'm going to proclaim before you my name. And so here, the proclamation of the name of the Lord is followed by God's attributes you say, well, in what way, Scott? Look down at 34. He said there, Moses, and I'm in 34.4, cut two tables of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning. He went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hands two tablets of stone. Now watch this. The Lord descended, I love that, in the cloud and stood with him there. You say, well, what do you mean the Lord descended? It's called the Shekinah glory of God. Glory here is going to be coming down in what we call a Shekinah glory cloud. You can't see God and live. So he puts Moses, if you will, in the cleft of the rock. And the Lord descends in the crowd. He stood with him there in five. But watch this at the end of five. He proclaimed the what? The name of the Lord. And then verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. He's proclaiming his name. The Lord, the Lord, a God. And then he goes into his attributes. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. All of these are, you understand, his attributes. 
So to proclaim the name of the Lord is to proclaim the glory of the Lord. And so here, John Paul, it's real clear, is it not? You're just there for the sake of his name. Your family is there for the sake of the glory of God. Your family is there certainly to help people, but to get them the gospel of God for the sake of his name. Let me just say it another way. This isn't about Grace Church of the Valley today. I'm glad that we'll send them out and we're going to fulfill those New Testament commands. It's not about our church. It's not about me. It's, it's really not even about you, John, Paul, and Sarah. It's about the sa- for the sake of his name, for the sake of his glory. You say, well, do they have to go? For the sake of his name, we have the joy of sending them. And I'm wondering, high school students and college students and young marrieds, who's going to be next? Because I'll tell you this, and you know this, I'm saying it to my, we have a whole lot even here. I'm not talking about our community, our state. I'm talking about in the life of our church. And so if you say in missions, we send our best, we are sending our best. And why? What's the motivation here? Why do people do this? Why would they leave everything? Why would they put their family in a box and in a container and go to another country? Here's why. For the sake of his name. And I know that you share that heartbeat as well because you're sending him. Listen, I, maybe I shouldn't share this. <laughs> uh, you never know sometimes what you share. But I have never, let me, let me say it this way, never seen a family go to the mission field so quick. We're, we're in there talking at 9 a.m., how, what was it, John Paul, 239 days, 89 days, and he's off. You realize some churches and some missionaries, it takes, Shay would tell me, 18 months to three years to raise this support. Now listen, you did that. I don't even like to tell pastors that. It would discourage them, <laughs> okay? But I'm telling you that for this joy, for the sake of his name, And I think that reveals your heart towards this precious family, towards our missionary there, Shannon Hurley. It's for the glory of God. It's for his sake, for his name. Look at these scriptures in the Old Testament where God's name and his glory are used interchangeably. Look at Psalm 8.1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. You say, what do you mean your name? His person, his being, his attributes, his compassion. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. They're interchangeably used. Psalm 79 verse 9. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name and deliver us and atone us for our sins. I like this. For your namesake. Do you see that? Help us, O oh God. That's his name, God, Yahweh, Jehovah. For the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Look at Psalm 102, verse 15. Nations, not just Israel, will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. 
So you got the name of the Lord. They're going to fear your glory. Psalm 148 verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. And his glory is above the heavens and the earth. I love that. Above earth and even the heaven. You have statements like this in Isaiah 48 verse 9. For my name's sake. He said I will. He said I'll defer my anger for the sake of my praise. I restrain it from you that I may not cut you off. He's saying this to Israel. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should I, how should my name be profaned? And then it's interesting. How should my name be profaned? My glory, his person, I will not give to another. This is for the name of God. I... You know that. I think I, I saw at one point is today there's a big soccer game. Not ragging on soccer. <laughs> but really for what? This is the World Cup right here. This is, this is what brings God honor and glory. And I'm not saying you can't play athletics for <laughs> the glory of God. But it's all over the news. All over every, every Twitter feed and all it goes and Thankful, all right, they're, they're, they're in the championship. But listen, this is our championship here. <laughs> this is what gives God glory. In fact, the name of God and the glory of God signify one and the same thing. The majestic name, God's character and glory, was never meant to stay only in the nation of Israel. And it was never meant to stay only in this valley. Amen? And so we feel a commission we feel a burden, not only for our valley, which are needs, but around the globe. And so thank you for sending him in the name of God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 96, verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Say among Israel, no, say among the nations that the Lord reigns. Statements like this in Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. And here's another phrasing for it. Among the peoples. Listen, beloved, if I can get this across to you, it'd be enough today. This is the heartbeat of God from the very beginning of the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation that his name would be praised. And I want to exhort you, listen, not all of you will go, but you can be a sender. And I want to say thank you for sending this family. In fact, it says there in make his deeds known among the people. Isaiah 12, 4 says, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. And I would say this to you. It is God's name, his name, his glory that is to be worshipped and praised. It is his name, Psalm 45, 17. I will cause your name to be remembered to all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. That's his heartbeat. I love that. I will cause your name to be remembered. For this purpose, that nations will praise you forever and ever. And that's 
our heartbeat. Isaiah 66, 18, the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and they shall see my glory to the coastlands far away that have not heard my name or seen my glory and they shall declare my glory among the what? The nations. Listen, I, I think I want to just say to you, we're really, and I don't mean this like, like hard, we're not messing around here. And so if you're visiting as a family, we take the, the commands of the scripture serious. And this is the heartbeat. You can't get away from it to declare his glory among the nations or to say it as Paul did in Romans 1.5, for the sake of his name. God blessed Israel to bless the nations. Psalm 67, verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. This is his heartbeat. Paul said earlier in, or later in Romans 15, 8, that Christ has become a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises that were given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the nations and I will sing to your name. Now, I, I think it was John P Piper who said, missions, is that right, John Paul? Exist because worship doesn't. That's why they're going. That's why we're sending them. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And so in that sense, we send them to tell the glorious gospel. And families, dads, moms, I hope this is what you're telling your, your little children. I hope you're reading them biographies of this. Listen, God's name finds its expression in the New Testament in God's beloved son whose name is to be praised. Watch this. In other words, God's name in the Old Testament finds its expression in the New Testament in God's beloved Son. Luke 24, 47, that repentance for their forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all the what? Nations. And it's proclaimed in His name. That would be the name of Christ. Of course, you know, Philippians 2, God has highly exalted him, speaking of Christ, bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should, what? Bow. It will bring, if God will bring every knee to bow to his lordship, then shouldn't we desire that even now? Thanks for sending this family. Thanks, as we heard this morning at 9 a.m., for holding the rope. In fact, Paul, uh, excuse me, the writer in the book of Acts 4.12 said, There's no, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. So we send them because there's not other gods. There's not other, not other paths. There's no other plan of salvation. There's no one else. There's no other name Here's the name. It's the person, the work of Christ. In fact, Paul in Acts 9.15, where one of the men was speaking, he is a chosen instrument of mine 
to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Everything was for the sake of my name and for the sake of his glory. Let me say this, that John Stott said, John Paul, he said the highest of all missionary motives, I like this, he said is neither obedience to the Great Commission, which obviously is important, it's not the highest motive, nor love for sinners, which is a strong incentive, He said, but the highest motive for missions is zeal, a passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's a passion for his name. Henry Martin, the missionary to India, watching people bowing down before idols. Here's what Henry Martin said. He said, excited more horror in me than I could well express. He said, I could not endure existence if Jesus was not glorified to me. Henry Martin said, it would be hell to me. And after landing in India, he said, here I am in the midst of a midnight, excuse me, in the midst of a heathen midnight and savage oppression. Now, my dear Lord, let me burn out for thee. That's Henry Martin, and we have this family that wants to be used for a passion for his name. John Knox, the 16th century reformer, on his knees for lost souls in Scotland, he pleaded with God, give me Scotland or I die. That's a passion for his name. Some of you are familiar with Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, as he looked across the thousands of miles of the unreached multitudes of China. He cried out to God this, I feel that I cannot go on living unless I do something for the lost in China. And that he did. It was a passion for his name. Now, we all can't go, but we can send James Chalmers The 19th century Scottish missionary to the South Sea Islands was so zealous, it was said of him in Christ's service, he joyfully endured hardship, hunger, shipwreck. He risked his life and was finally clubbed to death, beheaded, and eaten by men whom he sought to enlighten. You say, well, why would he do that? A passion for his name. Robert Arthington a 19th century English businessman from a very wealthy family said, it was said of him, unable to go overseas, he enabled others to reach the lost by living meagerly while sacrificially giving millions in today's currency to foreign missions. And here's what he wrote. This could be you. Gladly would I make the floor my bed, a box my chair, and another box my table, rather than men should perish for the want of the knowledge of Christ. That's a passion for his name. Thank you for modeling this. Thank you for going. All praise be to God. He's worked in your heart. And here's my prayer for you. And it's not even my prayer. It's the end of John Patton's life. Have you read John Patton's biography? If not, you should. Go look it up on Amazon. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. But he wrote this about the hope of his own children. And here's what he wrote, and I want to leave you with this. That they would undertake the same mission and find the same joy. 
Here's what John Patton said. Let me record my immeasurable and immovable conviction that this is the noblest service in which any human being can spend and be spent and that if God gave me back my life to ever be lived over again, I would without one quiver of hesitation lay it on the altar to Christ that he might use it before in similar ministries of love, especially amongst those who have never heard the name of Jesus. He said, nothing has been endured and nothing that can now befall me make me tremble. On the contrary, he said, I deeply rejoice when I breathe the prayer that it may please the blessed Lord to turn the hearts of all my children to the mission field and that he may open up their way and make it their pride and joy to live and die carrying Jesus and his gospel to the heart of the heathen world. That, beloved, is a passion for his name. Listen, thank you for modeling this. And dear church, thank you for sending them for the sake of his name. You can't know how encouraging that was from your heart to their heart to make this work in such a quick way. And then the double joy to send them to one of our missionaries, Shannon and Danielle, who desperately need their help and their labor and their love for Christ. Listen, we love you guys. We're thrilled for you. Uh, we're thrilled for what God has for your family. And you will be in our prayers. We will be holding the rope uh, for you and supporting you all along the way.